The message this afternoon is about defining biblical inspiration. So we'll try to do that best that we can as we flip through our Bible and get some truth. And I can tell you what I think, you can tell me what you think, or we can get in the Bible and hear what God says. In Acts chapter number 4, verse number 25, Bible says, Who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and people imagine vain things? I'd like to draw your attention to the beginning of that verse. God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all, and all that is in them, He used David's mouth as His servant. And David speaked truth that was inspired by God. Now, was it David that spoke or was it God that spoke? Yes. <laughs> Right? God is speaking, but it's not God's voice that comes out. It's David's voice that comes out. It's God's word that's been inspired that comes out, but it's David's mouth that is mouthing the words. See? That's inspiration. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll continue on. Lord, Heavenly Father, help us. I know this is a big can to open up, but help us glean some truth. Uh, from what you mean by inspiration from your word. Help us to believe what you say in Jesus' name. Amen. I also ask you to turn to 2 Samuel 23. Let's go there. 2 Samuel 23. And look at verse number 2. I believe we looked at this briefly last week. We'll do it again uh, this week. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 23 verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. This was God's word. It wasn't David's word. It was the Spirit of the Lord that spoke. And that Spirit of the Lord used his servant's tongue. The Lord spake, and it's the servant's tongue. Are you a servant of Christ? Are you his servant? And when you read the Bible, is it God speaking or you speaking? It's yes, you're speaking God's word with your tongue, but these are the inspired words of God. And we are, aren't, I'll just say this and then we'll move on. We are going to get to preservation. Uh, the two cannot be disconnected. But tonight, we're not talking about preservation of God's Word. We're talking about His Word as being inspired. And if I told you, well, go to Isaiah 8. We'll look at one more. And I'll make a comment on the comment I was going to say. So Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8, verse number 1, Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll. This is the Lord speaking to the prophet. And he tells them to take thee a roll, a great roll. And he says, Write in it with a man's pen 
concerning Meher Shelahabaz. Now, that's a real long name for Isaiah's son, but nonetheless, that is what his son was named. Uh, we're not going to talk about that name tonight, but we are going to talk about the Lord told the prophet to do something, and the Lord told the prophet to write something, and the Lord told the prophet to take a man's pen before you're going to do the writing. And then he writes it. Who wrote it? The prophet or God? Again, yes. The prophet couldn't have written it without God's inspiration. The Lord said it, but man writes it with, with man's pen. Um, if I were to tell you, all right, everybody grab a pen and pencil, or grab a pencil, okay? Grab a pen, we'll stay in the context. Grab a pen. When you grab a pen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down, the cow jumped over the moon. Okay, so you write down, the cow jumped over the moon. And, and then I say, so you do that. And I say, okay, now, now what I want you to do is, now that you know how to write, now that you know how to use a pen, I want you to spend the next five minutes on creative writing. And I want you to write down whatever you want. You're going to have five minutes. You got your pen, you got your pen, you got your paper, five minutes, ready, write. And at the end of that five minutes, you're going to come to me and you're going to say, oh, look what I wrote. And then I'm going to say back to you, you didn't write that. The pen wrote it. And then you're going to say back to me, what are you talking about? I wrote that. Those are my words. I used the pen to write it, but that's my writing. You asked me to engage in creative writing, and I wrote that. The pen didn't. Now, who's right? Both are right. Who's more right? You, because you have recognized that without the pen, something couldn't have been put down on paper. But you also recognize without you as the creator of the writing, the pen lies there useless. And you know what we got when we have God's inspired words? We have Isaiah as a pen. <laughs> we have Paul as a pen. They're useless men. But when God picks them up and starts writing, now we have his inspired words. God used men for his word to be scripted and uh, scripted down and and we can believe every word of it because because God is the author. He just used Isaiah here as the pen to write. Make sense? Now go to Isaiah chapter number 30. Isaiah chapter number 30. God could have done a lot of things. He could have just poof, and you know, all of a sudden we got like a book binded together, and but that's not how God chose to do it, and it's not what God chose to do. He chose to use men. Isaiah 30, it says in verse number 8, Now go, write it before them, in a table 
You can have a table of stone or you could have a table of wood and things were carved in that stone or wood. That'd be different than a pen, okay? Then he says, and note it in a book. Well, a book's different than a table. Uh, that would be the use of some type of parchment, okay? Uh, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. So we see different instruments being used to write. Um, so, Milani, uh, I want you to imagine you are assigned a crayon. Okay? Hannah, you are assigned a marker. Riley, you are assigned a pencil. Isaiah, you are assigned a paintbrush. Seth, you are assigned a chisel. Uh, Josiah, you are assigned a pen. And here's what I want you to write. Here's what I want you to write. Uh, what, what, what verse were we in? Oh, verse 8. Okay, I want you to write this. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book. That's the phrase you have to write. Okay? You go ahead and write that down. You basically copy verse number 8. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book. So you write that down. Now if you don't have the instrument that I mentioned, you pretend you do, for the sake of the lesson. Okay, now, everybody's written it down, right? If all of us adults would then go look at their work, would it look the same? No, because a paintbrush doesn't write like a pen, and a pen doesn't write like a pencil, and a pencil doesn't write like a marker, and a marker don't write like a chisel. Right, Seth? It don't. Right, Isaiah? You take a chisel and a paintbrush, it's going to look different. Everybody agree with that? Are the words there? Yes. Are the words the same? Yes. What do you have that's different? The personality of the instrument. And you know what God brings forth when He grabs His pen of Isaiah and the pencil of Jeremiah and the marker of Paul? You know what we get? God brings out His inspired Word, but He also brings out the personality and the interests and the background of the instruments, those writers. That's the depth of our God and His words. Does that make sense? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by who? The Holy Ghost. And even though these men were used they were different writing instruments. They were all used by God for His purpose. Okay, so that's good. We've got that. That's our introduction. Um, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And we're going to talk about two thoughts tonight. Inspiration. We believe in verbal inspiration. That is, 
the words in this book are the words of God. God's verbal words. His words given to us. Every word of God, verbal inspiration means that every word of God is from God. It's His words. It is verbal inspiration is not, well, we just kind of have the concept. That is important to note because a lot of people will teach that. Look, as long as we get the basic idea, that's really all that matters. And that's the extent of inspiration. Well, I don't believe that. Our church doesn't believe that. That's not on our doctrinal statement. We believe, we believe in verbal inspiration. It is God's Word. We don't just have the general idea and then the rest is just left for us to fill in the blanks. I know that I've got God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And let's see, let's see if we can support that presupposition in 1 Corinthians 2, <clears throat> verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 12. Now we have received, note that key word, not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. How are we going to know and how are we going to receive something and know that what we were receiving is right if we just have a basic concept or a basic idea and then man is just left to fill in the blanks. That's not verbal inspiration. Verbal inspiration means we can know the things that we've received because God has inspired His Word. Look at verse 13. Which things we also speak. So we have to speak it. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Verbal inspiration isn't, okay, well, we have a concept here of what God's trying to teach us. And now take your brain and you take your intellect and you take your thoughts. Let's put them together now and let's try to come up with what God's really trying to say here. That is not verbal inspiration. That's man's wisdom. God said to speak some words and it was not the words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The, the best way to learn the Bible who wants to guess? What's the best way to learn the Bible? Two, two, two ways, I guess. You can, we can argue about this. Yes. Go ahead. Call it out. What's that? I'm reading it. Read it! <laughs> you have to read it so that the Spirit of God speaks to you. 
what's the next best way, or we can argue which way is better or not, but they kind of go hand in hand. Go ahead, call it out. Read it and study it, write notes down. Yes. Go to church. Go to church. Close. Hear it. Hear it. Okay. Do you have another one? Okay. Read it. You got to read the Bible. Talk to somebody who doesn't believe the Bible. <laughs> if you and I talk to someone who doesn't believe the Bible or who questions the Bible, that will cause us to have to read it and study it more, which by in turn will cause us to get better at understanding what God says because as we read it more, the Holy Spirit will reveal more truth to us. So that's a long way to say, look, you got to read it, but also if you witness to lost people and you talk to people who don't believe the Bible... It will force you to get in this book. And then probably the third thing I would say, and again, we can debate this based on what point we're trying to make, I guess. Then, okay, now the church has pastors and teachers and now someone will now teach you the Bible. But the main teacher is the Holy Spirit. That's the main teacher. And ladies, don't forget, it's your charge to teach the younger ladies. There's some things that I might be able to preach on, but I better get off of them quick because it's best left to, some things are best left to personal conversations. Ladies amongst ladies. The preacher's job isn't to, he's supposed to preach and teach the Word, but there's other truths. There's other ways, let me say this, there's other ways to bring out truth other than just Bible preaching and teaching. That makes sense? Anybody ever been a part of a Bible study? Uh, I have a friend of mine, he's a Christian businessman. One day a week before work, uh, it's voluntary, but he has a Bible study with his employees. He is not using that to replace his own Bible reading, no. He's not using that to replace his own attendance to a local church, no. What is he doing? There's other ways of being able to get truth. There's other ways where the Holy Spirit can speak to us. It's all through His Word, but it's used in different mediums. Okay, so that's, we have the Word. Look at verse 13. It says, uh, Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Be careful of that. Go to the book of Jeremiah. Verbal inspiration we're talking about. These words are God's words. Verse number 9, Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1. It's a good one. Watch this. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Same concept. Jeremiah's mouth is being used by God to speak God's Word. We see that? Jeremiah 26. Jeremiah 26, look at verse number 2. Jeremiah 26. Look at verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak 
unto all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them. And watch this. Diminish not a word. Do you think it was important to God for people to hear what He said and not what Jeremiah said? It is. God said very, very clearly, look, I'm commanding some words. I'm using you, Jeremiah. You're the pen. Look at Jeremiah 30, verse 2. One more in this book. These are all over the Bible. We'll just look at a few tonight. A uh, little Bible study, if you will, I guess. Jeremiah 30, verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. <clears throat> you know the answer to this question. Was Jeremiah giving the people the book that he wrote? Or was Jeremiah giving the people the words and the book that God wrote? It's an inspired book. God used different instruments, different men to record it. But it's God's word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Are words important? They are. Do you think words are important to God? I mean, let's face it. Words are important. If you, uh, anybody ever been in an argument? Yeah. No, no, well, you, you, you said that. And you, no, I didn't say that. What, the words I really said were this. No, no, I know exactly. You said that word, and then you paused, and then you said these next set of words, and I heard exactly what you said. No, I didn't. I, put the, I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant. I, you, you, can, you can accuse me of saying that, but that's not what I meant. Here's the words that I said. Here's the words that I meant. Come on, words are important. Just get in a relationship with somebody. Words matter. You think they matter to God? I think they do. Let's go to Exodus 24. Exodus 24. Exodus 24, verse 4. We'll, we'll look at this. Um, we'll show... Uh, from the Bible, just how important words are to God. Exodus 24, verse 4. And Moses... Oh, oh it's back up a, a, a verse. The end of verse... Uh, let's read verse 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said we will do. Will we do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning, built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. So, would you say that God's word was important to the people of Israel? They were. And they wanted all of them. Words were important to God. He wanted them all recorded. I think if He's powerful enough to save your wicked soul and my wicked soul, 
I think he's powerful enough to inspire his word. And I believe that he did. Deuteronomy 6. <coughs> Let's look at a couple of them in Deuteronomy. We'll start in chapter number 6. Look at verse 6. Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. The Bible says, In these words, which I shall command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Uh, I'm not going to go down. I'll, I'll peek down this trail. But like I said this morning, I won't chase the rabbit. If you go to government school, they're going to want you to learn all the government songs. And you're going to have to memorize them. And by the time you get out of school, they're going to be written in your heart. You're going to know every, every single one of them. You're saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's what happens, okay? And if you join a company and they have a mission statement, when you go to that me meeting, you are going to learn that mission statement, right? You're going to memorize that mission statement. You are expected to live that mission statement. And your career for 20 years there is all going to be about that mission statement being written on your heart and mind. Are you saying that's good or bad? I'm just saying that's what, that's what it is. I'm not saying it's neither good nor bad. I'm saying that is what it is. So if you can graduate a public school and you can know my country tis of thee, and that's written on your heart, but you're a Christian, you don't have all of God's words written in your heart, that's a, pro that's a problem, wouldn't you say? He wants His words to be written in your heart. Well, that's for the nation. Okay, it was for the nation, but it's a principle for us too. We should be bathed in the Word of God because all of His words matter. He inspired them. Deuteronomy 12, 28. Deuteronomy 12. Look at verse 28. Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee forever. When thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. You couldn't just hear them. Young people, look up. Let me see. Catch your eyes here. Look up. I don't have all of you looking up. Okay. Now you're observing me. <laughs> you know what God said about His Word? Okay, you're hearing it. Now I want you to observe it. Are you putting it into practice? Is it written in your heart? Are you connected to it? Are you with it? That's, what the, that's how the nation raised their kids. Read it. You hear it. Observe it. Pay attention to it. All that goes hand in hand. His words are important. Chapter 17. Deuteronomy 17. Look at verse... Look at verse 19. Look at the end of verse 19. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or the left. 
And you know what? If you kept all the words and you meditated and you observed and you read and you heard all the words, you're going to be more likely to obey them. God gave us all His words and he, they're important to Him. He wants them to be important to us. All right, let's go to the book of Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter number 8, verses 34. Joshua 8, 34. Joshua 8, 34. The Bible says, And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings. Huh, so he got the positive and the command and the negatives. How about how about that for the modern church? Love, love, love. Grace, grace, grace. Okay. Sure. Great. Blessings. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're we gonna get to the cursings? Are we gonna get to the thou shalt not? Are we gonna get to, hey, that's sin, don't do it? Oh, we're not? Well, then you're not giving all the words. It's blessings and cursings. All of it has to be read and understood. And that's a beautiful verse to prove this. According to all that is written in the book of the law. And then it goes on to say, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded with which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel. With the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. It didn't matter if you were male or female. It didn't matter if you were a child or adult. It didn't matter if you were a Jew or you weren't a Jew. Man, you get a stranger, come in, just let him hear it. <coughs> let him hear it. And I think we should have uh, that in the back of our mind. Grab me some water. <coughs> it don't matter who comes in the church house. We're not going to dial back reading or teaching part of God's Word because we might offend a stranger. Okay, amen. 1 Samuel 8. 1 Samuel chapter number 8. We'll look at another one. Look at verse 10. 1 Samuel 8, 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. Another example. Go to Psalms 12. Go to Psalms chapter number 12. Look at verse 6. Psalms 12 verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Okay, give me the answer. Whose words are they? The Lord's. What type of words are they? Pure words. Every time they get tested and tried, what happens to them? They get purer and purer and purer. Why? Because they're God's words. And every time they're put to the test, and every time they're tried, they just get purer and purer and purer, and proven and proven over and over and over again. That is a verse to get a hold of, saved person. We're talking about God's Word. And if they're pure, all of them are pure. Because God is a God of all purity. 
Verse 7, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. I'm not trusting a scribe. We'll get into this in preservation. But thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. That's all I'll say on that. We'll get to that when we get to uh, preservation. Look at Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. You know this verse too. Proverbs 30, verse number 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Do you believe that verse? It's pure right now. Well, it might have been at one point, but now because of corrupt men, it just couldn't be. I don't think so. God said that every word of God is pure. You just got to find out where they are, what they are, and but it says it is. There's nothing to do with past tense and somehow it's gone away. So we've got that in Proverbs 30. Uh, would you say, that's the thought on that, would you say that God's word, would you say that words are important to God? They are. They're very, very important. So inspiration defined is it's verbal inspiration. That, that is, it's God's Word. It's not just the concepts or the ideas. So that's what that means when you hear someone say, well, we believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. Okay? Now, the other thing, uh, go to Romans 15. We know, uh, we, we, we also hear the term, we believe in plenary inspiration. You hear that? You read that in doctrinal statements. You might read that on a church website. We believe in the verbal and plenary inspiration of the Word of God. Well, verbal, it's, all, it's, it's the words. They are God's words. That's the verbal. The plenary part is all parts of the Bible are equally inspired. We believe both. It's not just verbal inspiration. Yes, this is God's Word. It's plenary ins inspiration. In other words, we don't just say, well, this part's inspired, but this part really isn't. And the other, you know, the kind of the beginning of the book's inspired, uh, but the ending, you know, it could be not really inspired. It, no, no, it's plenary. It's complete. All of it is, every part is God-breathed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine right now is for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness Romans 15 Romans 15 um, all parts of it so when somebody reads um, the book of Genesis and a college professor corrects it, well, that's not really of God. That's just man's best idea. No, he's wrong. His presupposition is man's philosophy and wisdom. Uh, Romans 15, verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience, that's kind of a good thing to have, or work on and comfort of the scriptures might have hope 
So you can say, and I can say rightly, look, there's some stuff in the Old Testament that's for the nation, doesn't apply to us, except it does apply to us. It was written for our what? Learning. What we have in the Old, what we have afore, by those Old Testament prophets, is written for us right now, that part is equally inspired as well. We see it in the New Testament to say, hey, the Old Testament was the Scriptures. So that's plenary inspiration. Everything in the Bible is equally authoritative and equally inspired by God. Verbal inspiration, what is that? That is, it is God's words. It's not concept, philosophy, or just kind of a general idea type thing. Does that make sense? Verbal inspiration, plenary inspiration. All right, last verse and we'll close out. Go to Ecclesiastes 3. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. We go Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. And we'll get the third chapter. I thought this was a good verse to end on this afternoon. All right, chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. Trust you there. Verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that man should fear before him. I do something that's not going to last forever. You do it, it's not going to last forever. But when God does something... If we learn to fear God, we'll start to embrace and understand that what He said and all His words matter. This is a God-breathed book. And God has preserved it through the ages. And if God did it, it shall be forever. And nobody's going to take nothing away for it. I don't care who it is. You know what it says in John 10? The Scriptures cannot be what? Broken. 